0: Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Ryan Loans. A blazing fire under the body of the nitro-powered Toyota Camry of Alexis DeGioia, and this is as bad a fire as you're ever going to see. this episode, we're joined by Matt Smith of Pro Stock Motorcycle and J.R. Todd in Nitro Funny Car. Erica Anders is your 2020 Pro Stock World Champion in stunning fashion. Recapping Bristol, talking about Vegas and Pomona. Scotty's out on Andrew at 1,000 feet. It's Scotty Balochek for the first time in his career. This is the NHRA Insider. Tony Schumacher!
1: Wow! What an appropriate way to end this one. 28-10,000 to the strike. An
0: instant classic final round. Hey everybody, welcome back to the NHRA Insider. I'm your host Brian Loans, and we are freshly off the crazy day crazy weekend at Bristol, Tennessee that we just finished and have a weekend off here looking forward to Las Vegas, then a weekend off and looking forward to Pomona to end the season for 2021 in the Camping World Series. It was a truly uh, wacky race down there in Bristol. We all kind of knew it was going to be coming in between the uh, weather conditions that really the racers had never dealt with before because we'd never raced there in the fall to the track conditions, which uh, we knew were going to be tricky coming in, proved to be tricky, proved to be uh, mechanically destructive to some degree. We saw a lot of stuff blown up, especially in the first round of top fuel. I'm, I'm sure all of you watching were thinking of the same thing we were in terms of seeing all the top fuel cars explode as they were, and then just waiting for funny car to come up and, and kind of being nervous for the fact that, you know, when a top fueler blows up, thankfully all the junk is behind the driver. When a funny car explodes, it's all right there in their lap. So uh, we were pleasantly surprised to see a very clean first round of funny car after a just absolutely wreckage-filled round, and just mechanical wreckage, thankfully. Uh, filled round of Top Fuel to get the day started in Bristol. Pro Stock Motorcycle was incredibly entertaining. Going to talk to Matt Smith on the show today. And we're going to talk to J.R. Todd, who neither Matt Smith or J.R. Todd won the race, but both of them had pretty solid days. Both of them have some stories to tell. And as for J.R. Todd, uh, did himself and everybody else in the category that's chasing Ron Cap's and Matt Hagen. Some tremendous favors in terms of getting them out early. And allowing points gaps to uh, to tighten up makes it very entertaining for us on the show, for you watching, and makes it very entertaining for Jared Todd and the DHL team to actually stand up, take on those championship contenders, and put themselves, you know, back in the conversation. Uh, when we talk about what the, the kind of look back at Bristol is going to be, Mike Salinas winning Top Fuel was was big time stuff. You know, he's the last winner there. We we did not race there in twenty twenty, but he won the twenty nineteen edition of the Thunder Valley Nationals, which were held on its traditional Father's Day weekend on which it will be held again next year. Pro Stock Motorcycle, it's Angel. And I'm interested to get Matt's opinion when we talk to him about the performance of that motorcycle, how much they may have, I'm not going to say kept in the tank, but how much they may have kept in reserve to now kind of uncork it at this time of the year. Karen Stover, the runner-up, uh, drove a great race. Unfortunately for her, she red-lit in the final round. So uh, that put her out of contention. But Angel did what she needed to do. She won in Charlotte. Now she wins again and she is trailing Matt by about a round, a little over 20 points. Nitro Funny Car, Alexis. I mean, what a story. Uh, That car came out made a statement in early qualifying when it ran the 90 um, during a session where most everybody was kind of mired in the mid to upper 90s. They got aggressive, and Del Worsham sent that car down the left lane, which in talking to everybody else, the left lane was the one that people were trying to avoid when they had lane choice, and that team didn't avoid it. They selected it and embraced it and really owned it. Alexis drove a very, very good race. We know in the final round she was 002, and that was uh, that was something else. I mean, you want to talk about a dramatic way to cap off a great day, uh, 002 in the final round in a nitro funny car, however you want to cut it, is um, is an incredible way to, to finish things. We had Alexis on this show just a few weeks ago, and she talked about you know the, some of the frustrations. And she wasn't frustrated at her team. She wasn't even really frustrated at herself, just really frustrated in the fact that the car has qualified so well all year. They've been a multitude, I think six number two qualifying positions. They finally got their first number one in Bristol, and they took that number one right to the house and and won the race. So uh, those frustrations melted away. She was highly emotional at the top end. It's always great to see that when somebody is able to win, and and it has some very significant meaning to them. This one clearly had a lot for her, and it, it is officially the first race that she has won. Uh, with her team owner or her co-team owner, if you will, Del Worsham, and since they went off and formed their own operation. So that's a milestone moment. And on the other side of things, it's her first win since Brainerd of 2017. And I think everybody, no matter what the activity or sport is, you need that validation every now and again that you can do it, you can hang in there, and you can compete on the highest level. They got the validation. They got the Wally. They got some movement in the points, um, not necessarily putting themselves you know, really directly in the conversation, but crazier things have happened. We'll, we'll find out how things go in Vegas and and could they make some sort of a, a run to the finish? Anything is possible. Uh, as, as long as the math is not telling you that you can't do it, uh, it's still there on the table no matter how slim the odds may potentially be. Let's talk a little bit about Vegas. We go from a racetrack that has a lot of characters. People were saying to be diplomatic in Bristol, a lot of bumps. We have the tunnels. You have all that stuff. Uh, Vegas also is a tunnel track, but it does not suffer the same uh, type of fate. If you were the same problems that Bristol does in terms of the bumpiness or the, the heaves in it. And we're really going from one of the most challenging surfaces on the tour, if not the single most challenging surface on the tour in Bristol to one of the freshest, flattest and cleanest surfaces on the tour at Las Vegas. We are running them too wide, as we always do in the fall. Four-wide action is reserved for the springtime only. And, uh, you know, I, I like four-wide drag racing. I would not like to see it in a countdown format. I just I uh, feel like it belongs where it belongs, in the beginning of the season, and and then we kind of go about our business. But, you know, when we look at uh, people who have had success in Vegas, Pro Stocks coming back to that, to that race, Erica Anders will be there, and she has, you know, she has won. Of the last 14 events, we talk about spring and fall, of the last 14 events held at the Strip at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, she's won seven of them. And coming off a weekend in Dallas, that even she would and did proclaim on our show to be kind of a disaster and one of the kind of worst weekends. She said she'd ever had at a racetrack on it or off it. Uh, Las Vegas is the place she needs to be to, to feel comfortable and, and maybe uh, get back, claw her way back at Greg Anderson. Now, she's going to need some help at this point. You only have two races left. Anderson does have a decent lead with only two races to go, and he just doesn't seem to make those early round mistakes. But as we saw happen in Vegas last year with Jason Lyon getting beat on a massive hole shot by uh, one of the Quadra Boys, anything is possible, especially at this late kind of breaking time of the year. Uh, Of course, we had all kinds of news last week with the announcement of Tony Stewart Racing forming a Top Fuel team, a Nitro Funny Car team. Leah and Matt will be uh, that part of that program. That not necessarily was the largest surprise in drag racing history. I think it was a an open secret for a few months that this was about to happen, but now it's official, and they're going to be making announcements over the next few months regarding their sponsors, their partners, and and what the direction of the team will be in terms of leadership and all that kind of stuff. Tony Schumacher is coming back full time in 2022. That was announced the day before Stewart announced uh, his team being formed. So Schumacher will race under the DSR banner. Primary sponsorship coming from the Maynard Family Foundation. And I think this is an addition, a great addition to an already very, very highly skilled category. You know, when we look at the racers that are out there, Justin Ashley, now Tony Schumacher, uh, Steve Torrance, Josh Hart, Antron Brown, Sean Langdon, Doug Coletta, um, and the list goes on. It is going to be very difficult to make the top 10 next year especially because we're hearing that there are teams coming back into the fold, teams that um, sat out most of, if not all, of 2021 will be re-emerging, and these are championship-caliber experienced teams as well. Uh, we have all kinds of rumors circulating as to where crew chiefs may end up, both in the uh, gasoline-powered pro-stock category and, of course, the nitro categories. There's some some discussion of some very high-level movement being made by some of the biggest-named crew chiefs in the sport. Uh, there's some discussion about uh, outside of... Tony Schumacher, who will be racing at Don Schumacher Racing? Um, could it potentially be a one-car operation next year? Is there a potential funny car in the works? I mean, the pits are the pits are overflowing with rumors at this point, and those rumors will continue to get more and more loud, uh, more and more interesting. Maybe by the time we get to Pomona, and I think the week or two after Pomona, maybe even before, uh, you're going to start hearing just a massive amount of. Of internal movement. I know that there is some sponsorship stuff being announced at Pomona um, regarding John Force Racing. I, there's just an incalculable amount of stuff going on, which makes it very exciting. I think, obviously, last year was a very quiet year in the offseason um, for reasons that we all understand. Last year, we, we survived last year in terms of a, a sport. We had a season that was successful, did the best we could with what, what hand we were dealt, which was obviously not a good one for anybody. And so, this 21 season, I see this as kind of a reemergence, and I look at 22 as a, as a springboard, especially with all the news that we have coming and all the things that we'll be working on in the off season. So Vegas is going to be great. Uh, it always is. It's usually fast. It's the weekend before the SEMA show. SEMA show is going to look and feel a little different this year, so that may look and feel a little bit different with our race. But um, as best that I know, there's no restrictions on crowd size. It should be loud and it should be raucous and it should be should be banging like Vegas always is. And then we go to the SEMA show and I'll be doing some work the, throughout the week with NHRA at SEMA. So if you are a listener of the NHRA Insider Podcast and you're at the show, please come by and say hello at the NHRA booth located right inside uh, I think the West Hall entrance is where we normally are. Either way, it's a huge setup with the top fuel dragster in it, so you can't really miss it. So there you have it. That is the, uh, That is the way things sit right now in terms of news, in terms of a brief Bristol recap. Time to get to our guests, and the first guest on this show is a man who is vying for his fifth, yes, fifth NHRA Pro Stock Motorcycle Championship. He is a defending world champion, and he is Matt Smith, rider of the Denso EBR, a guy who did not win at Bristol, but boy, who put a good run at it, and who was uh, definitely going to try to stave off the likes of Angel, Steve Johnson, and others for a championship here in 2021. Matt, how you doing? Shit, How you doing, Brian? Doing all right, man. It was a uh, man an eventful weekend for both you and Angie. Uh so I guess I want to get things started here. How is Angie's hand or finger doing, man? That was nasty.
1: Yeah, she's doing okay. We uh, we're just now getting ready to leave the ortho clinic here in uh at home and uh they've uh they've looked at a finger, did some more x rays, and they have uh, approved her to race in Vegas. Oh good. And, you know, the rest of the year. So uh all that's good, and she just got to heal up a little bit more. She's got some stitches in it, but she'll be okay.
0: Well, that's a good thing to hear about her being able to ride in Vegas because it was an interesting scenario. When, when we heard that she was going to be unable to finish the weekend in Bristol, a couple of us started wondering, like, maybe Michael Ray hops on the bike. Maybe, maybe you guys do something like that. But I guess logically it didn't make any sense to do that because it would effectively take points away from Angie, right?
1: Yeah, if we, if we would have had, like, a, you know, a full field and, and she wasn't qualified, then absolutely we would have put Michael Ray on the bike, you know, but with her being qualified and it was kind of short for Bristol, uh, it made sense just to let her collect the points. And, and we knew that she'd probably be back in Vegas, uh, you know, and that's, that's the race that she won last year. So she wants to go in as defending champion.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. That was a hell of a weekend last year in Vegas took, took down Steve Johnson in the, uh, in the final round. So I want to talk about Bristol and, and man, watching pro stock motorcycles, especially in slow motion, going down that racetrack was pretty hairy looking. And, and we, we used some footage of you at the top end at one point, kind of demonstrating with your arms, I guess what it felt like. It almost looked like you were doing pull-ups down there uh, because of the, I guess, to simulate the bumps, but man, it was, it was wild to watch.
1: It was, it was wild for us on the motorcycles. Uh, you know, I felt like I was riding a dirt bike, uh, you know, <laughs> out in the backwoods, you know, at home, but uh, you know, if you just look at the facility, the facility is is top notch, oh, awesome yeah. facility, beautiful views, you know. But it wasn't, you know, we didn't we didn't complain as a class because that's our first time being there, and yeah. we want to be part of Bristol,
0: absolutely. Uh,
1: you know, as as we move forward, you know, in NHRA. But I think Top Fuel Funny Car said it the best. The track needs to be ground. Um, they're struggling when they hit the bumps. They unload the tires. They blow stuff up. They spin the tires. Yeah. And to put a better show on for the fans, the track just needs to grind the track, get it back smooth. And I'm sure then everybody will be happy again. And we'll see some even better times than what we saw this weekend.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was cool to see the pro stock bike category competing, you know, for the first time at uh, at Bristol. And I guess before we move on. Is it more upsetting to the motorcycle? Like the we talk about the tunnels all the time, but there's a lot of chop at the top end. Like there's a lot of really choppy, kind of almost minuscule whoop-de-doo's down there. What is more upsetting to the bike? Is it the tunnels or is it that chop?
1: Well, if you look at if you look at the V twins, we make all of our ground up probably from three thirty to the finish line. Okay, and the Suzukis make all their ground up, you know, because they weigh thirty pounds lighter, two to three thirty in the eighth mile. So they had good runs at, at the, the nice smooth part of the track Ah. and where, and where we make up all of our ground, it was really rough. So here we are spinning the tires so bad in fifth and sixth gear on the V twins that I couldn't, I couldn't make up a lot of ground. And that's why we struggled with ET, especially on Sunday when the track got cold, um, we just couldn't make up the ground that we needed to, to run with the Suzuki there, you know? So, um, I think it's both, Uh, yeah. It's a really bad bump at the tunnel, but then it's a lot of whoopy doos, I call them, like you would see at a motocross track. And uh, that just really, sh- we struggled with that a lot, the V twins. And, and, and I know the Suzuki did too, but it showed up bigger on the V twins, you know. At Bristol,
0: yeah, and it, I mean, and, and when it comes right down to it, we ended up with a uh, we ended up with a, a dueling Suzuki final. So your point, uh, your point's validated in in terms of that. Um, I want to talk a little bit about how you approach the next two races. Obviously, you're the points leader. Uh, a little more than a round over Angel, who's I don't, I'm not going to say she came out of nowhere, but you know, Angel made some big moves over the last few races to put herself in that number two spot. Steve Johnson's obviously been going in the in the wrong direction for him, as he had kind of a disaster of a weekend at Bristol, but. You know you've been here before you're seeking a fifth championship you've done this before what are the things that you really need to lock in on these last two races beyond beyond the obvious beyond you know driving the, or riding the bike well on Sundays what are the things that you specifically know from your history as being a champion that are going to be most important for these next two races
1: well we've done really good at, at Vegas and Pomona I've won both races and we've had teammates win both races so we know how to win these last two races and that's our goal. We're freshening up all our stuff. I I've, I've got to get my other two teammates, Angie and Scotty back to where they're a top 3 and 4 bike and they can help me beat these, you know, other other people. Also, uh the biggest thing I think is I want hot weather. Yeah. I want it to be as warm <laughs> as it can because I really do good in warm weather. Uh when it gets cold and we have really cold weather, i think the suzuki shine more uh with the performance that they have so um i'm just hoping we got some warm weather and you know like dallas showed up on sunday it was nice and warm and and that's what i hope vegas and pomona are we we get some good weather and you know we can i'm not worried about running fast because i think we can i think i can hold my own but i just we just want to go out and do good and i want to have a chance at being able to win another championship.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and like you said, historically, um, you know, historically what you've been able to do with your team as a whole in Vegas has been highly impressive. But really, you know, we've seen you over the years just absolutely shine when we get to the finals out in Pomona. Of course, it was 2018, I guess, was, you know, the year that you just went out there and were running, I think you ran 201 or 200 every single time down the racetrack. So, you know, in terms of, you know, points and a half and all that kind of stuff, um, how much of that? how much of that weighs on you or does it at all? I mean, we've, I hear people talk about both sides of it where some guys get kind of freaked out about it. And other people say, as long as I do my job, it doesn't matter how many points are awarded per round. I just need to win more of them than the person chasing me.
1: Yeah. And, and that's the biggest thing is, you know, we, we think we can run, uh, just as good as anybody. Uh, we're going to go out there and try to, I mean, I've done it all year long. I, yeah. I haven't sandbagged. I haven't done anything that I'm not supposed to. I've gone out and win as many races as I can, uh, we've won five this year. Scotty's won one on our team. All three bikes in my in my in my deal have been number one qualifiers. So we haven't sandbagged at all. I'll, I'll put that theory out there. I've showed everything we've had all year long, and I think now that some people didn't show their whole hands are showing it now, and now we might be at a little bit of a disadvantage. But I still think we have one of the best bikes in the category, and I'm going to go and try to win both races. And we'll see if we can win a fifth championship.
0: Is it frustrating? Because obviously you had a, a regular season that was far and beyond what anybody else had. I mean, even we look at race wins, we look at final rounds, even semifinal round appearances. Is it frustrating? We've, you know, we've heard people again, talk about it over the years where you look around and, and the honest answer is you would have run away with the points. You would have run and hid from <laughs> with the points lead, you know, and been probably crowned a champion two races ago without a countdown. So do you ever have any regret on that or if not regret, just frustration?
1: You know, you look at it both ways. I mean, yeah, we if we wouldn't have had a countdown, I'd be the champion already this year. But then I look back at past years, and, you know, the championship helped us. You know, the countdown helped us. So, you know, it plays both ways, and we know what we're dealt with when we start the season. Everybody knows there's going to be a countdown. You know, 2020 was a little different. We started the season knowing there was going to be a countdown, (laughs) and then it got taken away. So, uh, all in all, you know, we just know that – you got in my opinion, you gotta go out and perform the best you can every weekend, week in and week out, and show everybody what you have and let NHRA keep the keep the class, you know, on parody. And I just think that, you know, they've done their job, you know, this year with the parody, but I don't think the Suzuki's have showed their whole hands. And Steve Johnson's really the only one that showed his hand all year long. Yeah. And now we have on and now we have Karen uh you know, showing that. So now I'm having to deal with three of those guys right. and, girl, or, and girls right. instead of just one. And you know, this, I don't think nobody really knows, but this was Karen's first race with a four valve, you yeah. know, the new four valve motor. So, you know, she showed right there what the potential is of the combination that, you know, that maybe NHR didn't have that information all year long.
0: And, you know, as far as you look at things going forward, I mean, how, and I realize the amount of time and, and effort and energy you've expended into into maximizing your V-Twin program. Have you considered a Suzuki move in the future? Have you considered your other options, or are you, are you really locked into the V-Twin going ahead?
1: Oh, no, I mean, we, I have four V-Twin, you know, bikes here at home. We have, yeah. I think, 15 to 18 motors of that. And I do own a Suzuki bike um, with two uh, Vanson motors, you know, right now. We have ordered a Monstar head. We've ordered a Vanson four valve head. So we are going to build uh, a Suzuki over the winter. I'm going to make it fast and I will run whichever one is faster uh, at Gainesville. And if, you know, if, if they don't throw weight on them, then I bet they do after we run the Suzuki, <laughs> you know, next year for Charles. I can promise you that the potential to run fast with a Suzuki, you can run faster with a Suzuki than you can a V-Twin. You know, if if everybody does their job riding and tuning it right, uh, the potential is there to run faster than a V-Twin right now.
0: Just all, all things being equal, as you yeah. see them on paper, the math says if this is done right, then it should be quicker.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I saw that and I said the same thing when we got done with our test session at, at Bradenton before Gainesville, Angel went out there and laid numbers down to the eighth mile that were unheard of. And I was like, we are going to get our butts kicked all year long. (laughs) And if you look, she'd come out the first race qualified. Number one with a 72 first race. Yeah. Almost set the national record at the very first race of the year. And then they just, in my opinion, I think they just kind of laid low, learned some stuff and just laid low till the countdown started. And now you're seeing what they can do. And, Now, you know, like I said, now I'm fighting three of them instead of just one. And uh, it's kind of frustrating. But, you know, we've seen that happen in the past with with that team, you know, before uh, with their V-Twin stuff, you know. And uh, I guess that's just the way they play the game. But I try to go out and win as many races as I can because you never know when it's your last one.
0: Yeah, and we hear that a lot. And, and to your point, I mean, we've seen people, you know, we've seen people have really success this year and then really fade. So you've not been one of them, obviously. Uh, how how much is pro stock motorcycle different in, than other categories in terms of not beating yourself? Because it seems to me like when we see people in pro stock motorcycles succeed or fail, it comes down to a lot of times almost self-inflicted mistakes. And, and, and it seems to be more... I don't got to say prevalent, but it seems to be more pronounced in pro-stock motorcycle. And I guess that goes down to the precision of of what you need to do to actually win.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, our bikes, they react so much quicker than anything else out there. So at any time, any of us can red light. Yeah, And we're having to slow the bikes down to try not to red light. Um, so at any time, you know, you can sh- turn that red light on and really cost yourself, you know, it cost me a, a Charlotte. Yeah, I it Charlotte.
0: Yeah, I had the I
1: had I had the quickest bike in Redlit second round, and and had had Eddie covered, you know. So, um, that's the stuff you just got to pay attention to and watch. And the track can come up and bite you a lot too, um, just because we're trying to push our bikes, you know, the V twins so hard right now because we're thirty pounds heavier. Yeah, we have to try to get after it harder and launch harder to try to keep up with the Suzukis. And, you know, at that point, we blow the tire off and then we, you know, toss us around. And that's what I did against Karen. I knew she had a little bit of a performance advantage going into the semifinals. So I tried to get after just a little bit more to try to get a better 60 foot in the track. Just it just didn't hold it.
0: Didn't hang on to it. You know, it's one of the questions I've been asking a lot of uh, a lot of people as they come come through the show this time of the year. I mean, how are things looking for you and Angie for for 2022? I guess how are things looking on the whole for for Matt Smith Racing in 22? I know that there will be a seat opening up. I've heard that uh, that Scotty's going to go step away and build a house with Suze and, and do do stuff out in Oregon. So what's what's it looking like for 22?
1: Yeah, we have some big, uh, big announcements coming up pretty soon. Um, uh, i Scotty and Susan, yes, they've told us that they are building a house and, and they're not going to come back racing next year and, you know, hopefully they'll be back and, and they get that house built and come back in 23 and and, and race with us um, but as it stands right now, you know I, I'll be fine with just running me and Angie out of our camp um, I know Denzo, uh, we're really close to getting our deal done I mean, right. she says it's, it's done you know, Lisa says it's done, we just don't have a a hundred percent confirmation, but ninety five percent. She says we're we're good next year, and we have big announcements coming with uh, a Suzuki program that we are um, going to work on. And we are, like I said, I'm going to be re- building a Suzuki out of my camp um, for me to ride next year, and I'll ride either the Suzuki or the V Twin, whichever one is the quickest bike.
0: Now that's cool, man. That's going to be super interesting. And that'll be a fun storyline to follow, uh, as we lead up to Gainesville over the winter and you guys go testing and, and whether you like it or don't like it and whether you're figured out or not, it's going to be cool to see. And I'm sure that'll get some eyebrows kicked up. Uh, once you get, once you get that officially announced and start, uh, start to kind of let some, let some progress news come out, I'm sure people will be paying real close attention to that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I bet they will. And like I said, we're gonna, it'll be announced, you know, within the next week or two, I'm sure. And, uh, it might shock some people.
0: That's cool, man. It's cool. It's like, listen, I think this class, when I look at it now versus when, you know, I started coming out on the road with an HRA back in 14, I think it has come so far. And I do think it is it is awesome. You know, as as things go with mechanical growing pains and whatnot and making sure there's parity maintained, um, I think it's fantastic to have the, the four valve the four valve program with Suzuki and their multiple manufacturers of the cylinder head, you know, there's some Suzuki factory support, I think coming along the way too. So, um, you know, I think pro stock motorcycle now is as good as it ever has been. And it's certainly on a week to week basis, highly unpredictable.
1: You're, you're exactly right. And, you know, I don't want the fans to think that I'm just griping at Suzuki. I'm the one I said two years ago and even last year that they needed help. Yeah. You know, they needed help to get to where we are you know, and NHRA's done that. Well, I think they gave them a little too much, you sure. know, um, in my opinion, and they told me, they said, well, it, we're giving them a bunch. And if, it, if they have too much, then we're going to put some weight on them because they basically told me, they said the Suzuki riders are complaining. They have to starve themselves, um, to be able to, <laughs> to make weight, you know? And, and so they said, we will put weight on them. The problem is they just haven't put weight on them this year yet, you know? And, uh, I expect them to put, you know, 15 pounds on them over the winter and, you know, maybe 20, but I do expect 15 pounds to go on them to get them uh, a little closer to the V-twin guys.
0: Going to be interesting, man. It always is. Matt, thanks for taking the time. Good luck in Vegas. Certainly good luck in Pomona. And uh, we wish Angie all the best in her uh, finger recovery. I mean, at least she can't poke you in the eye now if the thing's all wrapped up, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, but she she keeps telling me I'm number one. So, uh, you know, (laughs) so but now everything's good and she'll be back in Vegas and uh you know she's doing good
0: Matt Smith is leading the points riding the Denzo Red Rocket EBR thanks very much Matt and I will see you in Vegas thank you Brian okay so we had a great conversation with Matt Smith now we transitioned to the Nitro Funny Car category a guy who had a huge Sunday came up a little short in the final round but J.R. Todd made massive inroads in the points J.R. how you doing man
2: good man yeah like you said we had a, a good Sunday in Bristol just uh Came up a little short, you know. I mean, looking at the ladder, that's pretty much how you'd want to draw it up, being in the uh, the position that uh that, that we were in. Just uh, kind of stinks. We couldn't finish it there against Alexis, but I mean, I uh, I wouldn't change anything I did there in the, in the final round for sure.
0: No, I mean it's 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 one of those things where uh, you know I ran into you Sunday night, and, and at some at some points, I'm guessing at some points you just have to look at a time slip sometimes and just kind of shrug your shoulders and say, well, there's nothing I did wrong here. We got to move on to the next one yeah
2: you know like it hit the gas and i could hear her hit the gas way before i did and going down the track it's like i'm confused as hell as what what, what just happened you know like i'm looking for my wind light to come on thinking maybe she red lit because i i feel like i wasn't late but when somebody's yeah. got a car on you going down the track like man i must have been really late did you get out in here she was 002. it's like well there's really nothing I could
0: have done about that. No, there's absolutely, there's no defense for that. You know, and, and one of the things I wanted to ask you about is, coming to the racetrack Sunday morning, you know, obviously you guys know who you have first round, and you kind of peek at the ladder and, and kind of look at how it's going to shape up. What was the conversation like uh, between you and, and uh, John O and Todd and the guys just when you were getting ready Sunday morning?
2: Uh, you know, I found out Saturday night, and I think, uh, you know, Couple of guys were kind of excited, thinking that you know, hey, this is our chance to uh, to do something. And me, I'm uh, I'm always you know grumpy and in a bad mood when we don't make it down the track. So Friday and Saturday, I wasn't in the, the best of moods. But Sunday, it's like, hey man, we got really nothing to lose at this point. I mean, this is a uh, our chance to make some hay if we can get through these guys. And you know, we knew we had to to you know make it count. I mean, you got Hagen, Caps, Force, all those guys on your side of the ladder. We figured if we. If we could get to the final round or uh, or win the race, that uh, we did ourselves some good. So I, I feel like we uh, we definitely did some good. We uh, we left you know twenty points on the table, which I, I hate leaving any points on the table this time of year, but it's better than being in uh, the position that we were in uh, Sunday morning.
0: Yeah, I mean you are only eighty three back, and obviously we got two to go, and and the finals are going to be points and a half as they are uh, each year. So you know I think it's I think to me it's so cool when you see a team, especially like you guys, where this really is your last opportunity to re- like if, if, if this had fallen through the cracks, right? First round on Sunday morning goes the wrong way and then you have no opportunity. That's pretty much it. You know, th- there's really no coming back from that. So when we see a team like yours embrace the challenge and then make make the best of it, I can't I can't feel like this. This is anything but the best possible way to enter Vegas. I mean, you're coming in having stood in the ring with three great cars, knocked three of them out. I mean, what's better than that?
2: yeah absolutely you know i uh i i felt the same way that uh it was do or die there first round that if we lose lose first round against hagan there that you know it's pretty much over at that point So now i mean uh i feel like team morale back up i mean we, we've gone through some uh some destruction the last few races uh between cars and you know we uh you know heard a few parts there on sunday but that's the price you pay i think when uh when you run hard in those conditions against the guys that are out there, you know, running hard week in and week out. So it's nice to, uh, have a week off for the guys to be able to kind of regroup and go through what cars are good and what's, uh, what's not good. So, yeah, I think, uh, everybody on the DHL uh, teams excited going into Vegas. That's somewhere that we've run well in the past and, and have had success, but, uh, at the same time, so the guys that are uh, right in front of us, so I, I think that if we can go to the later rounds, I mean, we, we definitely need to, uh, Meet up with one of those guys earlier than than later, or have some uh, have somebody help us out along the way, but. If we can, you know, chip with or lead some more going into uh, Pomona. That's uh, that's the goal. But uh, ultimately, the goal is to go out there and, and win the next two races and see uh, where the points fall.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And in my mind, you know, I always look at it, and it's like it w- to me. The number seems to be sixty. Like if you come into Pomona and you are within sixty of the leader, I still feel like you have a very a good puncher's chance of being able to pull it off with, especially with the points and a half. And I know that's not the way you guys think. You think about going out there and just wrecking everybody as as uh, as as th- soundly as you can each week to gather as many points as possible but it would just seem to me agree or disagree if you're within 60 coming into first round pomona you got a fighting chance
2: yeah absolutely that's what that's kind of what you know bums me out about not uh not winning the race there and in uh in bristol at least getting it you know within somewhat uh you know 60 or 62 or three whatever the points would be but yeah i feel like that if uh if we can, you know, knock those guys off earlier, get to the semifinals or finals ahead of them, and gain another round, of, like you said, we're at sixty points going into uh, Pomona. That definitely gives you a, a better feeling with the, the points and a half, knowing that, uh, you know, if they go out in the second round or semis and you go on to win the race, uh, you know, it, it, it's definitely possible.
0: You know, we've seen it happen in Pro Stock and Pro Stock Motorcycle. You know, Vegas last year, the Vance and Hines guys set themselves up to try to stop Matt Smith. Uh, obviously, a couple years ago, Greg Anderson did it uh, successfully to try to stop Erica for, from uh, knocking Jason Lineoff of, for a championship and unable to do that uh, in first round. He lost. But has there or would there ever be conversation of saying, OK, man, run this thing to 800 feet and shut it off. We need to try to find one of these guys early to, to get the job done. Or is it is it not worth the effort to do that and just and just show up and try to hammer down the racetrack?
2: You know, I'm not sure at this point, Well, I guess we'll have to see, you know, how it plays out in uh in vegas i i feel like you know we have some really good notes and a uh, good track record there in las vegas so where uh, you know we can uh usually qualify pretty well then go out there and, and try to win the race but uh if we got a big hole going into momona i mean who knows i mean we don't we don't have a we, yeah we don't have a, a teammate like we did with uh you know sean there in 2018 where uh, he helped us out uh in, in vegas beating robert there first round but it's not like any of that was planned where any of us were going out there and, you right. know, making early show-off runs or anything like that. Because usually it doesn't work out in the nitro category where sure. it's going to play out to your hand. Like, it kind of did for us there Sunday in uh, in Bristol. We didn't plan that by any means, but it definitely uh, worked in our favor. But, honestly, you just want to go out there and run as hard as you can and probably, you know, try to gain as many qualifying
0: points and then
2: all that stuff, you know. So, I think in, in Vegas we're going to go, you know, just run a – Run as hard as we can. Try to uh, qualify at the top and win the race.
0: Struggles in qualifying aside, do you like the challenge of Bristol in terms of being a driver? I feel like you're the type of guy that that certainly embraces your job as, as being a driver of one of these things, and you're not just a guy out there hanging on to the hanging on to the butterfly when you hit the gas. So, talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah,
2: I mean, I, I definitely enjoy a challenge, and I feel like you know <laughs> other drivers or other teams you know, they don't want to hear certain drivers whine about uh conditions i mean it's is a unique place but <laughs> i was definitely doing some whining to uh to chad there on sunday like man <laughs> this place is bumpy like it's hard to hang on to this thing like this place isn't getting better as, as the years go on so yeah i mean i think it, it's a matter of time before they're gonna have to you know try to flatten out yeah. that place a, a little bit but uh it, it definitely creates a, a challenge and the cold uh, conditions there kind of uh, covered up those bumps a little bit for us on Sunday to make it to where the funny cars could uh, get down the track, get down the track at a respectable, uh, you know, time. But uh, if we were there in June, it, it would have been a totally different story, I believe.
0: I mean, I'm not much of a praying guy, but after watching the first round of Top Fuel, I was looking for a set of rosary beats to start praying for the funny car drivers because I'm watching these Top Fuel cars just grenade one after the other. I'm thinking to myself, man, as, as crummy as this is for the Top Fuel guys, it's going to be 10 times as bad for the funny cars because you're basically sitting on top of the engine. Was there any uh, – obviously, you heard it, and you spent the hour-plus in the staging lanes that the rest of us did as as one pair after the other blew up. I mean, it, any thoughts going through your mind at that point? Like, man, i got to sit low in the seat here or something?
2: no like i i was up there you know watching quite a few pairs of the uh, top fuel cars and yeah th- there's a lot of a uh, lot of destruction especially in the right lane and the right lane was the lane of choice so i'm up there watching the left lane i'm like man that right lane's getting hammered like maybe <laughs> Hagen's gonna end up taking the left lane which is you know i felt even more bumpy and harder to get down so just didn't know what to expect going up there for us a uh, first round but as far as you know blowing up and and that kind of destruction, like the top fuel cars, that never really, you know, crossed my mind in the funny cars. And uh, it ironically, ironically, it didn't happen. You know, I was kind of surprised that, you know, every yeah. it seems like every funny car parent got down there nice and clean compared to where dragsters. That was a uh, marathon round.
0: Oh, it was crazy. It was. I think it was the single longest first round of the entire season so far. So, um, but yeah, it was. It was something else. And me and me and Pedregon were sitting there just watching this, and I'm thinking to myself, man, I don't know if I want to be sitting back there in the staging lane <laughs> having any conception about what the hell's going on here. So, you know, when we uh, we talk about the Toyota team, obviously expanded uh, with Steve Torrance uh, adding to the driver lineup, and I think one of the things Toyota does better than any other manufacturer out here is they activate with you guys. You get to do cool stuff, drive dirt cars, and do different events, and they really do. I think do a better job than anybody in terms of utilizing the nhra drivers and in, in ways to put you on a, an even even playing field with the rest of the uh the other team toyota drivers so you're looking forward to getting out there and mixing it up with torrents and some of this stuff
2: yeah for sure that's uh like you said that's one of the, the benefits of being with uh you know toyota and trd we get to uh do a lot of cross promoting throughout motorsports and uh interact with uh the, the different drivers and different teams out there and you know i'm a big dirt track fan so Anytime I get a chance to jump into one of those Keith Coons midgets and uh, get sideways, I'm all about that. So maybe that'll be something for uh, Torrance to check out next season if we get the opportunity to do that. But uh, no, at, at the end of the day, I mean, for Torrance, it's about you know, winning and, and selling vehicles and you know adding those guys on board. That's just going to uh, help the cause, I think. And uh, I'm uh, I'm excited for next year. I know we got some big things coming in the future. Uh, especially at the end of this season so uh, I'm I'm already looking forward to uh, 2022 but Hopefully we can uh, finish off 2021 with a uh, championship in that Toyota Camry.
0: Yeah, I had a little bird chirping in my ear about that the other day, and that's uh, I'm not going to go any further down this road because I know you can't either, but it's definitely going to be cool to see what's coming uh, very, well, not that far down the road. End of the year, I guess we'll talk about that, but it's going to be uh, a good thing and continues to really reinforce uh, Toyota's commitment to drag racing, which is which is pretty spectacular, and they had to have been happy to have two Toyotas in the final round
2: yeah absolutely I mean that's something that uh that we've been trying to do for a while is get back to the final round and then have a, a guaranteed win for Toyota that's uh that's icing on the cake for those guys I just wish it was our Toyota that yeah. came out on top but either way <laughs> uh, it, it's good for Alexis and and Dale and Nikki and uh you know I, I'm buddies with uh, those guys and you know they uh, they've had their struggles over the last couple seasons so to, for them to uh, to win that 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 was good just uh, like I said I wish it, it didn't come against us but uh but, but yeah, I mean, like I keep saying, at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's all about winning for Toyota, and I feel like we couldn't do what we do without their help, and uh, the tech- technology that TRD provides for us, and even just them, you know, reading the track, and yeah. we, uh, we have a machine that's capable of going out there and, and reading those bumps, so we know exactly where they're at, and we can overlay it with the, the run on the on the car, and it's, uh, it's pretty cool seeing how TRD and the Cruci's work together on stuff like that
0: on that point at a place like bristol is is your input into the race car or with the crew chiefs as important as it is like when we go to vegas which we go from basically the the kind of wackiest bumpiest place we have to one of the smoothest most recently resurfaced places we have is your conversation with the crew chiefs different when when you're basically driving the thing over ski jumps versus when you're on a very smooth track that maybe you can give them more input from your from your kind of backside
2: uh, yeah a little bit i mean i try to give as much input as i can every track but at bristol it's kind of like man you're stuck with it like yeah there's there's really not much you can do about uh going around those bumps or, or what have you, you know and i'm telling them you know it's like hey it's dancing the front end but i mean i don't know if it's more me uh you know over just the bumps because you're trying to make corrections but uh nothing's happening because the front end's in the air so you just kind of got to deal with it as a driver towards vegas it's uh it's nice and smooth since they've redone the surface there, and it'll be uh, more up to me, you know, keep that thing in the groove and can't make excuses about it. Uh, hey, I ran over a bump and it shot me this way or that way.
0: What uh, What value does your your existing championship experience give you now? I mean, you know, somebody who may not have been in this position previously, you've you've done it. I mean, <laughs> I think I think the guy that's sitting in that car now yeah. is has um, in in a bunch of good ways. I'm not saying this to be disrespectful. I think I think you've matured a lot of ways behind the wheel as a champion so what is what is 2021 jr todd know that a guy a couple of years ago didn't
2: um yeah, more or less just you got to have fun in these moments because they don't come around a lot and when they do you got to make the, the most of it and just uh just be prepared more than anything you uh you can't go out there and do what i did a, a couple of weeks ago in in dallas and I uh, just, you know, gotta stay focused I, I like to stay calm more than anything Don't get myself all worked up, all pumped up Or anything like that But uh, I'm definitely pumped to be in, in this position And uh, as a driver, that's all you can ask for Is just to uh, be in the hunt In those last two races And uh, have a chance to go out there And, and win a second world championship and I think that uh, we definitely have the, the team That's capable of going out there and doing that
0: How many of your guys on the team now Were on that championship car? Um,
2: There's I think four or five of them, but yeah, there's a, there's a couple that, uh, you know, haven't won a race until, uh, Gainesville this year. So they're, they're, they're new to that situation and it'd be awesome to uh, be able to get those guys a championship as
0: well. No, it's great, man. It's great. And uh, it was certainly fun to watch on Sunday. And it it was just, you know, for us, we're watching it and it's like, this is the scenario we've been hoping for. Like, we want a good car to to have, we didn't want you to struggle, but in generally speaking, we want a good car to be down in the bottom of the ladder or down in the bottom of the sheet somewhere to to have to make some noise. And uh, you guys pulled it off and it made for a great storyline and certainly shook things up because otherwise, if it goes the way it's been going, I think you we're really just talking about two guys who have a shot at it. So I guess one last question for you. Uh, When we when we go to Las Vegas, when we get there, what are the things about the Las Vegas racetrack that you like in particular, whether it's the atmosphere, whether it's the uh, surface, whether it's consistency? What are are the things that Vegas brings to the table that uh, that comfort or make you feel uh, make you feel confident?
2: Uh, just knowing that we've won you know three races there in the past kind of uh gives me confidence and and comfort as a driver knowing that you know we're going back to somewhere that we have some really good notes we can fall back on just I don't know everything about the Vegas track you know the uh the atmosphere that time of year it's it's Halloween and it seems like uh the SEMA show draws in a a lot of people that generally don't come out to the track so it's usually a a packed house there for that event and just you got kind of the uh the pressure and the buzz of the, the countdown of the championship, you know, the, the second, the last race. And you'll know, uh, there's Sunday night. If uh, you're in the hunt going into a uh, Pomona or not, and, and you know, that, that feeling that we had there in 2018, when in that race, I that like, I may, might've been just as pumped up winning in that race. as I was, you know, when we clinched the championship there in Pomona, just knowing like, all right, we're leading going into Pomona. We're, we got a shot at this. Like, let's not screw it up to work. We'll, we're kind of in a different position now. Like we're, uh, you know, we're not on top, I and mean, we're not as close as to the top as we were going into Vegas, so uh, we've got to keep scratching, clawing, and uh, do whatever it takes to uh, win and knock those guys off the top.
0: Yeah, to your point, man, the Vegas race is, is funny. It's weird in a good way where it's like it's got this really loose, fun atmosphere, but at the same time, it's all this championship stuff going on. So like Friday and Saturday, it's like, oh, this is great I get people in costumes and this is fun. And then Sunday comes and it's like whammo. It's like total, yeah, total freaking ex- lockdown.
2: Exactly. Everybody's uh, dead serious. And uh, it's just uh, a different feeling when you're up there, you know, watching uh, the cars in between rounds and. And what have you. You can tell there's a lot of uh, a lot of pressure and a lot of uh, a lot of stake on the on the line there. So it's it's a cool feeling to be a part of. And uh, hopefully we can come out there with another win.
0: Thanks, man. J.R. Todd coming off what is probably the most satisfying runner up his, of his career, if there is such a thing. And uh, look forward to seeing <laughs> you in Vegas, man.
2: Thanks a lot, Brian. I appreciate that.
0: And that is the world according to J.R. Todd. Great conversation with him. And again, a unique position for a guy to be that satisfied with a runner-up. He's he's certainly one of the hardest-driving, hardest-running competitors we have, most intense. But he understands the implications of what his team was able to pull off on Sunday at Bristol. And those implications put him back squarely into the championship hunt. Thanks for listening to this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. We'll be back, of course, next week to talk all things Vegas as we set up one of the most fun and intense races of the 2021 NHRA Camping World drag racing season it is wild to think that there are only two events left in some ways it seems like there should be more and in some ways there seems like there should be less it has been a grinder of a year as it always is and it is coming to a head on the western part of the united states thanks for listening we'll see you again next week right here on the nhra insider podcast i'm brian loans